Welcome to Day Beautiful. I'm Adam Vitkavich, and this is a podcast where readers can discover debut authors. If you like what you hear here, check out daybeautiful.net for more author interviews and book recommendations. You can also follow us on social media at Day Beautiful on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Today's guest received her MFA in fiction from NYU, and her stories have appeared in the Best American Short Stories 2021, McSweeney's Quarterly Concern, Conjunctions, Clark's World, Virginia Quarterly Review, One Story, and Elsewhere. She has received fellowships from the Rona Jaffa Foundation and the Vermont Studio Center, the Writer's Grotto, the Breadloaf Writers Conference, the Martha Heasley Cox Center for Steinbeck Studies at San Jose State University. Her debut novel, Deep as the Sky, Red as the Sea, is out now. I messed that up numerous times during our conversation, but the novel is amazing. It is Deep as the Sky, Red as the Sea. Please welcome Rita Chang Epic. Hey, Rita. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Um, your book, I want to start, the cover is gorgeous. Um and I'll start there. What was the process like once you we're, we're, we'll go through your whole history and everything in your writing style, but skipping ahead, you edit it, you get an agent, everything, everything, everything. How did this gorgeous cover come to be? Thank you for starting with the cover because I actually love talking about it. Um, somebody I saw somebody on on Twitter refer to it as like like they they posted a photo of it and they said, truly, this is the age of baller cover art. And I was yeah. like, yeah, this feels this feels very accurate. No, I had the um I had the incredible fortune of there is this famous uh, Japanese American uh, artist named Yuko Shimitsu. And she has done work for just like some of the biggest people out there. Like she's done work for like Ali Wong, you know. So we Bloomsbury initially reached out to me with two different um, artist options, um, and I saw uh, Yuko's art. And uh, you know, like if it, the, she does this thing, I, I I'm not a visual artist, so I don't know what the you know proper terminology is. But like she does these like line, like she does these very like detailed line, you know, drawings. And um, I saw the artwork, and I just thought, okay, this is this is definitely the the direction that I would like for mm-hmm. this. Cover to go in and so uh she was you know very very nice very helpful we worked on the cover you know or I should say Bloomsbury and you go worked on the cover together and um I was uh I was floored when yeah. they showed the, the 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 final version yeah it is uh it is gorgeous I mean your writing is gorgeous everything about this book is perfect I love it so much um and I think right before we were recording this like in the weeks leading up there was like a a twitter trend talking about how like all book covers kind of look the same and mm-hmm. there's trends and and i like them hey i'm not complaining but your book stands out so hard and it's so yes i just i'm glad you talked about the artist because it is it is perfect it matches your writing and the plot and everything perfectly um no, thank you. That's very kind. And yeah, like I recommend, you know, if listeners are interested, again, Yuko Shimitsu, S-H-I-M-I-Z-U. She has a website. I um, I encourage everybody to go and, you know, check out her her work. Mm-hmm. And I I usually lead with this question, but I had to talk about the art first. Sure. But deep as the sea, res the sky. God, I am going to mess that up every single time. It's deep as the sky, res the sea. Yeah. All right, I will. I promise it'll be it'll be perfect by the end of the podcast. Deep it's is okay. the sky, red is the sea. I always like to ask writers what the book is from their perspective, and I, if you want to talk about the plot, the feeling, whatever. But what is this book about from your point of view? Yeah, I mean, I can kind of give 
uh, people the the sort of like the official version sure. <laughs> I can my kind of unofficial version on but like the official version is um you know uh, it's based on the life of this actual woman who lived during the early 1800s in uh what you know the region now known as Hong Kong and um and uh, you you could call her a pirate queen uh, because she commanded this really powerful fleet in the region at the time and this um, novel is a fictionalization of her uh her rise and perhaps you can say fall from from power depending on how you how you tell the story so that's the kind of like official version but like I think you asked about vibes and I think that's a really yeah. great question because so often that's what books are right like it's mm -hmm, like the, mm -hmm. the headspace we were in you know as we were writing it um I I was thinking a lot about complicated women leaders you know this was around the time of the 2016 uh, mm, election. Mm -hmm. and um I mean for obvious reasons like this the, the talk was kind of like everywhere but but for me personally my interest was not in the leaders that you could kind of like point your daughter to and be like when you grow up be just mm. like this person I was more interested in like the the really kind of messy ones who made oh, decisions that um I might not I probably I didn't agree with but like that yeah. you know that I understood where they were coming from and the, you know, and I think while I was writing it, the vibe of it was just, I was, I was thinking a lot about um, women that, women whom you do not want to test. You know what I mean? Like I, in my life, I grew up around a lot of really strong-willed women. Um, and then just because of the nature of my life, you know, the sort of because of the path that my life took, I ended up also meeting a lot more of these women um, in in various um, er arenas. And so I was just thinking about this idea of like women that you do not want to test and who are uh, and, and wanting to explore that kind of character in in the novel. Yeah, I I'm glad you brought that up because I think and I talk about this all the time, whenever I am pitching a book to a friend or a stranger, I, I'm terrible at it, like telling them the plot because plot is important and I get it, but I'm just like, yeah, this is how it made me feel. And like, this is, oh, I think you would like it because you like this. Um, difficult women or not difficult, complex women. Women are not difficult. Um, they're complex, like all humans. When do you like to read? Like, did you, all right as a child did you like books about strong women did you see them early were they handed to you or were you what were you reading as a child that's a great question I mean I so the earliest books I read believe it or not were actually so I I was born and raised in Taiwan um so mm -hmm. I spoke Chinese right specifically I spoke Mandarin before I spoke anything else okay. and so the first books I read were actually, um, do you know, like about, so there's this genre of novels um, called wuxia, um, which is basically like martial arts novels. And mm. they're like really, really popular in East Asia, okay. um, possibly other parts of Asia too, but definitely the part where I was from. And, um, and basically uh, these wuxia novels are about like, you know, the underworld, right? Like they're usually historical novels that take place in like the Chinese underworld. And it's about these men and women who, you know, could do these amazing feats and, um, you know, kind of uh, usually with with the intent of like fighting against tyranny or something yeah. like that. Like usually there's this this uh, underlying sense of, um, 
yes, they're doing some questionable things, but ultimately, like, their heart is in the right place. I mean, I, I'm sure somebody who's, like, written an entire PhD on the wuxia genre could say, give a better description mm -hmm. of it, but that's kind of what I took away from them, personally, as a child. And so, um, and by the way, I should say, these were adult novels. I have no idea what my parents were thinking yeah. about me read them. Like, these were books in my grandfather's library, and I devoured all of them, mm -hmm. and my, my my family members just let me. Um, and so I, I would say that was, in, in many ways, that was like one of my earliest literary influences. Yeah, I have a similar story. My mom loved Mary Higgins Clark, the mystery <laughs> writer. She had every single book. And I, I, you know, I read Narnia. I read all the books like kids are supposed to read, but I was reading Mary Higgins Clark way too, like I had no clue what was <laughs> happening, you know, but the, the, I think that's where I didn't understand plot. And I think maybe thinking back, that's where the vibe came into my life where it's like, yeah, it's like, you know, sure. It's um, page turning mysteries, whatever, but like, I enjoyed them. They were spooky. They were, exactly. it, it, you know, in that, like, Maybe they all weren't set in Cabot Cove like Murder, She Wrote, but in my head, they were all like this cozy little town, no matter <laughs> right. where. Right. Um, that's so interesting. So so these books that you're reading, uh, you know, that were not in your age range. Uh, I Yeah. But when did when did you start seeing like yourself in literature? Because I, I find that a fascinating because I like. Yeah. Did you start reading books where you're like, I, yeah, this is Rita. I, I see myself reflected I think, so I did see a little bit of myself reflected in those mm -hmm. novels that I read when I was a kid. Um, I mean, like, or I don't know if I saw myself in them, but I saw versions of myself that I maybe wanted to become one yeah. day. If that means like, yeah, that, yeah. that I looked up to some of the characters in those books. But yeah, so I, you know, and then my family moved to the States and mm -hmm. uh, sadly, this is my own fault, um, to my parents' chagrin, I uh, gradually lost my ability to read. Um, Chinese characters so no, yeah. um, like I, I can still read a little bit but like my reading comprehension is nowhere near the level that it that it used to be and so I transitioned over to English language books and um, huh. I remember the first book I read in the English language that contained Asian American people as main characters, Asian American mm. women as main characters was of course the Joy Luck Club. Um, this was, I think, I, I read it like I do you remember when the book came out? But I, I know I read it in like the 90s. Mm -hmm. So I I'm but I forget when the book was actually um published. And, and in any case, so I remember reading that and being like, okay, so I, I I'm reading about characters who are like me, you know, in some ways, but there are also other ways in which they um you know, weren't like me. And I, I, I found myself wondering like, well, are there other other representations of of um Asian characters in, in mainstream literature? And I had a I had kind of like a hard time, you know, finding mm -hmm. finding more characters. And then I feel like in the past 10, 15 yeah. or something, like there's been a, you know, we're obviously things aren't perfect. We still have a long ways to go, et cetera, et cetera. But like like all of a sudden, I feel like there's been this wonderful proliferation of books by um, API authors that um, center uh, various aspects. And, you know, and like, and some of them are wonderfully, wonderfully weird, right? Like where before, you know, like for, for a while, like Amy Tan was like, like, you know, Amy Tan was writing about immigrant 
parent-child relationships, which is a very, you know, important topic. And I'm mm -hmm. absolutely, absolutely not knocking that. I enjoyed the book when I read it. But like now, you know, you've got like people writing about like, you know, like giant sea octopus or a sea yeah. octopi, you know, thing. And so um I'm yeah, I've been I've been really heartened recently by the by the different books that I've been seeing out there. Yeah, definitely. Um I feel, I mean, I was a younger child in the 90s, and I feel a lot of my interaction with like Asian American influence was like martial arts and karate, and they were like caricatures. Mm -hmm. um, I guess like, there's not really a question, but like growing up and, you know, in the 90s, how did that feel as, you know, someone who emigrated from Asia, seeing like the Americanization of these caricatures? I mean, I, I definitely, you know, I think that I definitely had a sense that there was something wrong mm -hmm. with these characters, but I, I don't think I had the language back then, or I don't think I had the kind of, I understood enough of the context back mm -hmm. then, the context back then to be able to say like, okay, to, to pinpoint, like, this is what I think is wrong with this caricature. Um, but speak, I mean, but in the, in the vein of, um, of, of stereotypes and 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 um, tropes, you know. I mean, I re remember, you know, the first time I, like, I didn't know about the whole like Asian women are passive and submissive and mm. stereotype because yeah. you know I grew up in Taiwan. Again, I my family like I come from a family of very very strong willed women yeah. to the point that sometimes it's like I need all of you to be a little bit less strong willed so you can stop <laughs> one another. Yeah. But um. But uh, but like I remember the first time I found out that this was a thing, I was like maybe like eleven or twelve, and I was mm -hmm. going like it to me it just flew against every cons every kind of like personal experience I had with like Asian women that it it just kind of confused me. I was just like, what? Like, where is this coming from? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And like you, you're the strong-willed woman in your life uh, to kind of bring it back to the book, you know, the, the pirate queen that's at the center of this. Like when did you become aware of these types of stories and these types of women and that you wanted to write about this kind of story? I mean, I think they've always been, you know, again, growing up in Taiwan, like I think they were always around. Mm. Uh, they were, uh, you know, I, I should mention another influence I had was that my family members would watch so many period dramas and like sort of like like and like cinema like cinema out of Hong Kong and you know like if like you know like Wong Kar Wai movies and stuff and um and so I don't yeah I don't even know if it was like a conscious decision that I where I said I want to write about strong willed mm -hmm. women I think in some ways that's the kind of character that's the kind of personality that i know best mm -hmm. so um it i think it translated i i would like to think that it translated well to this particular pirate queen character because yeah. it, i i felt i found like i didn't have to do too much extrapolation if that makes any sense yeah, yeah, yeah. To get to the to get to the final to get to the final care i mean obviously i want to be clear obviously right i don't know anybody who's ever like slaughtered <laughs> sure. people but like but but i felt like i didn't have to stretch that yeah. much did yeah. you find yourself like bringing in family like you know a women in your family quirks into into her yeah yeah 
Um, and also like some of my friends, like, I, I mean, I don't know if we have time for this, right? But like, basically, well, we always have time, <laughs> but like, no, I, um, I had a friend in college who was, uh, you can say infamous or famous, depending on who you talk to <laughs> for this fight, um, that she got into. So she, she was, um, she, her, her dad is a martial arts instructor. So she grew up like every day training at the dojo. Mm-hmm. So, uh, she was at this bar and, uh, this dude found out that like apparently this was her background and started like you know like being drunk or whatever just started really like poking her and be like oh whatever you know like martial arts aren't real it's just chop suey stuff like mm-hmm. sort of, you know, like also I should mention my friend is like five three so like <laughs> most people are taller than her yeah and he basically dared her to punch him um was like I bet you couldn't I I bet you couldn't make a dent and um she punched him in the solar plexus so hard that he went down immediately. I, and I don't mean like he staggered around for a few seconds and then like crumpled to the floor. I mean, like he was here and then he was on the floor. Like, like yeah. there were there were like two states with no transition in between. And so, um, so I don't know, like I found myself thinking about this college friend a lot, like just kind of like, like, yeah, like she she's otherwise a very lovely non-violent person but you poke this bear yeah and this bear will maul you (laughs) yeah yes yes um oh i love that yeah i that's the type of stories i love on day beautiful um you mentioned (laughs) that this happened in college (laughs) yes violence i want more violence in in these literary podcasts um you mentioned that happened in college and i know you got your mfa um during your undergrad, are you thinking like, oh, I'm going to write, this is where I want to go? Or what was your like path to becoming or getting into the MFA? Um, I So I, I've i wanted to be a writer for a mm-hmm. very long time. You know, like I, I think in high school, I kind of had it, I set, sort of like had it in my mind that one day I was going to grow up to be a writer. Yeah. But, um, but in, you know, in my family and in my community at the time being a writer or an artist wasn't considered a very feasible option do you know what I mean like I think yeah. the, the the sort of the over the the general narrative was you can write as a hobby you can but like there's it's it's highly impractical to try to make a make a living out of it or make a and to be fair it kind of is right like most even like the best writers usually have to teach or do something mm-hmm. else to supplement their income so um, you know, I don't think my family members are wrong in that regard, but, um, but so I, I study, I, I double majored in psychology and in, um, uh, creative writing in college, but after college, I was like, okay, well, first of all, my writing back then sucked. I mean, you know, it was like, I was, I had very little knowledge of the world. I had very little experience in the world. So, um, there was no way I could have made anything of it. So I went, I, did a PhD in psychology first, mm-hmm. and then I um, worked for many years as a uh, psychologist and adjunct um, psychology professor. And uh, when I hit my mid thirties, I was like, okay, I think I'm finally ready to go back and do an MFA. Um, and so I did. Um, and that sort of yeah. that's, that's how, how I got here. Yeah. Do you think like your psychology career or like how did, how did that influence your writing now or if at all? 
I mean, I definitely think it helps a little bit in the sense that I think I, you know, there's some, I think there are some principles in psychology that about sort of how, how human, for example, like how human beings react to trauma, how human beings react to, um, you know, uh, aggression or um, mm-hmm. you know, what, what panic responses are, those kinds of things that I do think are helpful when, when you're trying to capture a, a certain level of complexity in how human beings react to the world, right? Like it's very often somebody can feel all sorts of different ways about the mm. same thing. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's yeah. very that like there's one thing, but like a person can have like seven different emotions around it. And a lot of these emotions don't even necessarily, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, fit with one mm. another. So I think that is helpful, but I, yeah, I mean, I, I also write about such weird stuff (laughs) that sometimes I think it's harder for me to draw like a one-to-one correlation and say like, sure, this aspect, do you know what I mean? Cause like, if I were writing about like a psychologist who's doing a psychologist job, just job, it's easier to make that connection, but I'm writing about like pirates and like in my short stories, like ghosts and yeah things like that so it's harder to for sure yeah how did you find yourself uh interested in weird stuff like why is that what you write about I mean I think that's the question that (laughs) right like I I don't think you would ever like I don't think there's a single answer that oh sure like right I I I can only finish projects that I feel slightly obsessed with Mm. does that make sense like like so I've I've attempted to write sort of quote, straight literary realist kind of Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that modality before. And, um, you know, and I, again, this is, I I always feel like I have to give like a disclaimer. Like, obviously I think there's so many amazing writers out there who work in this realist tradition. And I just couldn't interest myself enough to finish these projects that I started. Um, uh, you know, in that, in that uh, modality. And so, yeah, so I, I think ultimately I decided, all right, well, if, if I actually want to bring a project to completion, if I actually want to, you know, um, do something that like, like if I'm, you know, one of my professors at um, NYU used to say that if you're bored writing it, your readers are going to be bored reading it. And I mm-hmm. really took that advice to heart. And so it's like, okay, well, if I if I want to bring a project to completion and not bore myself and everybody else to tears in the process, then it's got to be some weird thing that I'm obsessed yeah. with. And, you know, like, I think I thought pirates were really cool since I was a kid, you know, like, like you can judge me if you want, but like, I was super into those Pirates of the Caribbean movies, yeah, when I yeah. college, you know, like, like, I was like this 18 year old, you know, who like lined up in front of the theater, like, you yeah. know, before, so once I started writing about my weird obsessions, I think that's when things started feeling less like a less like a chore or a slog. Sure. Was Deep as the Sky something you started in the MFA program? No, no. Mm. I was mostly working on short stories back then. Yeah. When did this Pirate Queen and this story come into your brain then? Uh so yeah, the 2016, I mean, so I should back up. Oh yeah, up. 2016, yeah. Yeah, no, no, but I, I should back up and say that I've always kind of been aware of this historical figure, you know, because like yeah. they talk about her a little bit more in parts of East Asia. 
Um, and, um, but yeah, like I didn't, I didn't think I was going to be able to write a whole novel about her until the election. Got it. And yeah. I, was like, I was like, there's something here. Yeah. Sure. And then, uh, so 2016 is like eight years ago. I'm bad at math. I'm just <laughs> ballparking. Um, what was the process like? When did you have like the first draft done? The first draft I finished probably 2020. Mm. Um, I'm giving a ballpark here too. Cause I, I love ballparks. Yeah. Exactly. Remember. <laughs> yep. And um, yeah. So 2020, I finished the first draft. I sent it to my agent and then um, we did a couple more uh, back and forths of, yeah. of um, drafts before we finally sent it out. And I think we submitted it November, November, 2021. Sure. Yeah. And this is where I get into the nitty gritty, those back and forth with your agent. What were, what were you focusing on throughout the drafts? Yeah. I love nitty gritty. Uh, so, so my agent, Michelle, I think has a really, she, I think her gut instincts about narrative and, and plot are very, very good. Um, so some of the things that we worked on, um, so uh, in the book, there are these sections that are kind of like standalone sections that, you know, standalone chapters that mm -hmm. focus on this uh, sea goddess that everybody back then, or a lot of sailors back then worship named Mazu. And in the original draft, there had, I had had these sort of like, I would have like a line about Mazu here and there. Like, I, you know, cause like, for example, the, the, the crew members would be ready to set sail, you know, somewhere and, you know, it'd be like, you know, they made an offering to Mazu and, you know, in one of the stories about Mazu, da, 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 da. And um, I remember Michelle read the draft and was like, I think there's something here with these little asides that you keep writing, right? Because usually when writers start writing a lot of asides about things, there's there's something there that interests us, but sometimes we don't exactly know what it is about those. Yeah the content of those asides that interest them. So Michelle was like, I think there's something here. I wonder if you could like blow these up and make them almost like a, like a formal element in, in the book. And I was like, that's brilliant. So um, one of the, I, I do remember one of the things that we worked on was like really trying to flesh out the Mazu sections and then not just to flesh them out, but to kind of make it so that the Mazu sections and Sikyong's story felt like they fit together in a good way. Do you know what I mean? Like that. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. They kind of like we weaved together in a good way. So that that I want to say that took like one or two drafts, additional drafts to make wow. to make work. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, that I love that. It, when I was reading it. I know other books have done this, but it really brought me back to like my AP junior year of li AP literature uh, with like Grapes of Wrath, where they have, <laughs> you know, the the story, that secondary storyline continuing out through the book thematically tying things in. I love when books do that. Um, it, so it sells. Um, do people do people get it right away? I feel like you're, it, it's not like a, a, a completely weird book. It is kind of, it is very unique and a, a very unique story. But we're, how, how on board were people with a, a historical weird book about a pirate queen? 
I mean, it, I think it depends on the person. You know? sure, <laughs> like, yeah. I think, like, again, I, I'm, I'm so grateful that my agent wasn't like, what, what are you writing? Oh my yeah. God, I'm dropping. Right. Cause like she could have, she could have been like, sure. there's no way I'm representing this book. Bye. <laughs> yeah. um, but that she was actually on board with it and, you know, a, a very, very um, generous uh, supporter of it. But um, yeah, I mean, like there, you know, like my, my editor obviously, you know, mm-hmm. was into the book enough that she acquired it. My editor, Grace for um, Bloomsbury, um, you know, there were a number of people, other people who um, responded uh, favorably to the um, to the submission. And and then as for current readers, I mean, I think I think it depends a lot on what. I think there are many, many, I'll I'll say this, there are many types of readers out there. Mm -hmm. And I think some readers are going to be a very good fit for this book. And I think some readers are going to be like, this is not what I thought this was going to be, or um, this, uh, this is what I thought it was going to be, but like the character's not sympathetic enough or the character's like whatever. And so, but I think that's the case with every book, right? Yeah. Like, there's any book out there that gets 100% reception yeah. from readers. I do find like the, the the idea of this character is not sympathetic enough. I, I see that all the time in movies, books, everything. And I think it's, it's always about women though, characters. I don't think anyone ever says, oh, Walter White from Breaking Bad isn't sympathetic enough. Like, you know. No, I, th- I think that's a very good point, right? Like, I think that, um, and again, I'm like really trying to choose my words. Like, no, of course, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that some people um, really need to feel like these women character, that they can be friends with a woman. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... And you know what? There, I think there's not. If if your primary interest in reading is you want to feel close to characters, you want to you want a kind of like vicarious experience, experiencing. You want a um, somebody that you feel like is very relatable. That's mm-hmm. fine. Right? Like, and there are a million different reasons why people read, but um, but but this is not probably yeah. going to be one of those books. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I I want. I'm a type of reader who I. I you know, I care about the vibe. I care about if the book is the type of book where, oh, am I supposed to be friends with these people? Do I fit in? Mm-hmm. But not every book is like that. I don't want every, every book to like- be like that for me. Like, that's not why I, re- I also read to experience crazy different lives. I would never experience, you know? Um, yeah. Um, I always end on like book recommendations that you're just vibing on. But um, before I ask that, I'll ask, are there other books out there with characters like your character that are difficult and complex and that you just love, that you've loved your entire life? I mean, there have been a couple of books recently where like, I, I call them the Asian women doing crime. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, know? Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I would say Kirsten Chen's um, counterfeits character is very relatable, but she's mm. definitely doing crime, you know? I mean, yeah. like, like yeah. she's involved in counterfeit um, bag business. Um, yeah, like, you know, like, um, Vanessa Hua's uh, character may in Forbidden City. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I would, st- again, I would still call her a sympathetic character. But like, if you read the book, like, she does a number of things that um, are yeah. say, not the best. And, uh, and so May is definitely not a character that I would say is like a 
faultless kind of like you know best friend that, that you can be. I don't know if that makes any sense so oh, yeah, I, yeah got her floss let's let's just put it that way so For um sure that's just too because I'm looking over my shoulder yeah no, bookshelf, but I'm sure I, there's way more yeah definitely and then how about just books you have been reading lately that you love that you want to give a shout out to Yes. So I um, recently finished reading um, Mariana Enriquez's um, Our Share of Night. Um, mm-hmm. I've been, again, like I, I loved her two story collections. I think she's just like such a short story master, but her novel was also very good. Um, and I'm currently um, about halfway through uh, Julia Fine's uh, Madalena in the Dark. Um, you mm-hmm. might be see- noticing a pattern here. I like kind of like like vaguely gothic kind of um, kind of uh, moody um, women characters, and so uh, I'm I'm currently very much enjoying them. Thank you so much to Rita for joining the Day Beautiful podcast to talk about her debut novel, Deep as the Sky, Red as the Sea. You can find her on the internet at rchetypes.com. That's rchetypes.com. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram at rche underscore types. Her social media is rche underscore types on Twitter and Instagram. You can find Day Beautiful at daybeautiful.net and follow us on all social media at Day Beautiful. As always, I'm Adam. This is Day Beautiful, and you're all beautiful. <laughs> <laughs>